last month we spent the month talking about why One Life Church exists. I want us to say our vision statement again today. If they'll put that on the screen, let us just say it together this morning. church aspires to encounter God, equip believers, empower followers, and engage our culture with love. Say it one more time. One Life Church aspires to encounter God, equip believers, empower followers, and engage our culture with love. Amen. I want us that to become part of us, not just mere words, but a part of our DNA. It's what we do. Amen? Not what we say, it's what we do. And we're going to continue to speak on that and share, share that until we all just Jesus really is wonderful. There's a hurting and dying world that needs to know that he loves them. talk to you today about uncommon love. Uncommon by definition is something that it's not often found, it's not seen or experienced. It's not ordinary. Remarkable, it's exceptional. And when we do outreach, many times people, when we give away coats, we give away food, we reach out to our community, people can't believe that we do it for free. Even when we do a free movie out front here and we invite the community, uh, people insisted on bringing something because they... I don't know. I'm not going to assume what they think because I don't even know what I think sometimes. But the other week we did an outreach in Gandyville. And Gandyville, by the way, they've had uh, two people saved the last two weeks. Amen. There and doing well. And we thank God for the progress that's taking place there. Amen. Other people, new people are coming in and we thank God for that. So just a quick update. But we did an outreach up there and gave away free hot dogs and drinks and that. And uh, very few people would uh, stop by and, and take advantage of that. And I, I could only assume that it's because that they thought there must be a catch. Because the, world view, the world's view of the church is... Uh, what do they want from us? Because the world's view is that they, the church is always wanting something from me. 
preachers get the blunt of that, they're always wanting money. And then God forbid you ever preach on money um, because then you're labeled as somebody that's money hungry. Um, I don't preach on it a lot, but I do preach on it because I'm not going to preach a half-truth. And if I'm going to preach healing, salvation, and deliverance and hope to you, then I'm also going to preach to you about money. Amen. But today we're living in a culture that real love, like we sung about here this morning, is uncommon. I want to look at today just a few scriptures. Isaiah chapter 10 and verse 27 tells us that it shall come to pass that in that day that his burden will be taken away from their shoulders and his yoke from their, your neck and the yoke will be destroyed because of the anointing. Not because of popularity. Not because of a feel-good gospel, but because of the anointing will destroy the yoke and remove the burden from off of your neck. Amen? I want to look at John chapter 18 and verse 36. And Jesus answered, my kingdom is not of this world. If my kingdom were of this world, my servants would fight so that I should not be delivered unto the Jews. But now my kingdom is not from here. Amen. In other words, his kingdom is from another world. Amen. And then I want to give you this scripture, John 15 and verse 13. You probably can quote it by heart. But greater love has no one than this than to lay down one's life for his friend. Amen. Greater love has no one than this. And Jesus said, by this, they will know that you are my disciples if you have a lot of money. If you're driving a new car, no. If you go to church every Sunday, no. If you have love, one for another. It's uncommon to find love like Jesus taught. With all that is going on in our nation and world, I'm glad to be a follower of the Lord Jesus Christ. Amen. I'm glad to be a follower of the Lord Jesus Christ. Have you ever seen America in such disarray? Have you ever seen what is going on in our nation as it is? I can only say from, from my lifetime, I have never seen America in the state that it is in today. Where that there are shooting of authority almost weekly. And it seems that, that there is, it's almost okay to not only disrespect, but even kill authority. This is an outward expression of what is inside of the heart of man. 
You see, my life, as I said, here in America, we have never been where we are today, where that this kind of uprise and evil has been condoned. Grown men refusing to stand for the very flag that represents our freedom. Romans tells us that we weep with those who weep and we rejoice with those that rejoice. But my concern today is, is there is a, a love, there is a vacuum for love that is in our nation. There is a crowd cry for the church to become who God desires for it to be. And yet we are, are not stepping up to the plate. We are not doing what God has ordained and created the church to be. And I believe today that there are two spirits at work at the same time in our nation. They are a religious spirit and a political spirit. When they brought Jesus to Pilate, which represents a political system, he said to them, I wash my hands of him. The political spirit doesn't want to deal with people's pain. It doesn't want to deal with the plight of humanity and the brokenness because they don't know what to do with them. Because politically, you cannot heal the hurts of broken humanity. But we also see that we want, they want to wash, the pilot said, I want to wash my hands of this man. They, and I see a, a, a people today that want to wash their hands of struggling people. Issues, real issues of people that are dealing with and going on in their life. But I want to say to you today as followers of the Lord Jesus Christ that we cannot wash our hands of hurting broken people. Amen. How can we ignore the pain of hurting people and say we're a follower of Christ? How can we ignore the brokenness of families and say that we are a follower of the Lord Jesus? How can we ignore the lost and say that we are a follower of the Lord Jesus Christ? We are called to engage our culture with love and to heal our broken world. Amen. What if, what if there really was a hell? What if there was really a hell? I mean, there, there can't really be a hell. What if the place that the rich man died and went to, some say it's a parable. So if it's a parable, what if that place really was for real? A place that separates for all of eternity, a place where that the worm dies not, a place where there's weeping and gashing of teeth. What if there really was a place that, that you could see heaven but never go there? What if the torments of, uh, of flames of fire were real and you would burn and never stop? A popular charismatic preacher began to preach uh, that there, that, uh, just a few years ago that there is no hell. He came about with this revelation that everyone finds their way somehow to heaven. 
that the Christian, the Buddhist, the Muslim, the Hindu, we all get there. We're just riding on different paths. You see, I never read the book, but a few years ago, there was another pastor by the name of Baal that began to give this revelation as well in his book. I did, never read it, but was told about it and seen the description of it that, that says in his words that, that there, is, there is no hell. And so we all just, all just get to heaven somehow. If we believe there really was a hell, then how can we ignore broken humanity? If there really is a hell, then how can we wash our hands of the lost? How can we work with and live beside and even go to school with people that are not followers of the Lord Jesus Christ and never tell them about Jesus. Oh, we get all caught up and we get a fussing and carrying on because of some popular preacher that announces that there is no hell or writes about a book, but, but most of the church don't believe there's a hell either. Because if we did... We would never let an opportunity go by that we didn't tell somebody about the good news that there is a hell, but you don't have to go there. That you can live life and life more abundantly. How can we never invite them to encounter God in our worship service if we believe there is a hell? When was the last time you invited someone to come to church and encounter God with you? Some 73% of baby boomers said they have never been invited one time to church in America. While 86% of those people said that if someone, their friend or their family member would invite them to go with them, they would go to church with them. That tells me we really don't believe there is a hell. You see, it's wonderful to have crusades. I love preaching crusades. I love preaching to the masses. I love going and being able to preach to thousands of people at one time and then thank God for that. But you see, we're going to win our neighbors. We're going to win our region. We're going to change the, the culture, but one life at a time by inviting them to Jesus Christ because we believe that there is a heaven to gain and a hell to shun then we begin to tell them today amen there is an answer there is a hope and the only hope is in the name of Jesus Christ it isn't hard to invite someone to come to church we just don't want to look like the oddball. It's quiet today. But it'll get better. We, we, we don't want to be the weirdo. What if they say no? <laughs> what if they say yes? Amen. What if, what if your invitation... 
is the one that changes not only a life but a whole family. What if your invitation reaches out and, and touches the, that one person, amen, and that one person becomes the next person that is, that is able to reach the masses for Christ? You see, we engage in our culture starts with us doing life with purpose. And the purpose that we have is to share the good news that we are, have the answer for a hurting and a broken world. Because the answer is not coming from a political system. Amen. It's not going, we are not going to have a messianic politician. The Messiah has already come. And he's not coming through politics. He's coming, praise God, on a white horse. Glory to God. He's already come in the form of a baby. He came as Emmanuel, God with us. And so we need to quit looking, amen, for a Messiah to rise in politics. And we need to put our hope and our trust in the Lord Jesus Christ, the King of kings and the Lord of lords, amen. You see, I believe today that, that the, the political spirit doesn't care what sides you're on. It just wants to make sure you stay divided. You get that on the way home. Amen. I, 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 you know, I don't watch a whole lot of television, but I, I turned on the other day and I said uh, to somebody, I said, it, it's quite confusing to me because you can turn on one channel and Hillary's about to be the president. You can turn on another channel and Trump's about to be the president and nobody knows. And then we got people prophesying, thus saith the Lord, this is going to be the next president. I don't know who's going to be president, but I know who I'm praying for, but I don't know who's going to be president. But this is one thing I'm sure of. I'm sure of who was the king yesterday, who's the king today, and who's going to be the king tomorrow. Amen. He is the king of kings and the Lord of lords, and we put our hope and our trust in him. Amen. If you believe it give him some praise here this morning amen our problem is is we can't deal with these unconventional problems with con in conventional ways the church must arise with a supernatural power Amen. That it only comes from another world and engage our culture with the love of Christ Amen. That's the only way that we're going to deal with the issues that we're facing today. Our nation is broken. Our nation is divided. Amen. I can only speak for my lifetime, but there's never been in my lifetime a more divided racial nation than what we have here on our hands today. And we can thank politics for that that has brought division and separation between humanity but the devil is a liar the blood praise god the blood there's the bible said there is only one blood it doesn't matter what color the skin is there's only one blood of one nation and that is through and by the blood of jesus christ that we can be redeemed and we're trying to fix 
our nation's problems on a political system. But our problem is not a political problem. Our problem is a sin problem. It is a spiritual problem. And it can only be dealt with when the church arises up with a spiritual authority and has a spiritual answer and says the word of the Lord is true and every man is a liar. Amen. So we're dealing with a spirit of politics. It's it's not only in government. There's politics everywhere. There's politics at work. There's politics at church. There's politics in homes. You don't believe it? First five years, people are politic. They're, they're, you know, even couples are politicking for position. Who's going to be the treasurer? Who's going to be the president? <laughs> Who's going to run the house? Maybe that's a little too close to home. It, I didn't even get an amen right there. But politics is everywhere. It's a spirit that is raging against our nation. And it is not going to cure our nation because our nation's issues are not political problems. It's spiritual problems. But then we turn to the spiritual side and we have a religious spirit. And we're dealing with this religious spirit. In John chapter 8, a woman is caught in the very act of adultery. The very act. And the religious spirit wanted to kill her. The religious spirit has no compassion for the hurting. No compassion for the sinner. No compassion for the lost and the broken. It wants to destroy the lost. (laughs) Instead of seeing the lost redeemed and restored, we want to destroy them. Call down fire from heaven and burn them up. Amen. As long as you are not the one needing mercy. It's amazing how quick and how long the religious spirit wants to judge and punish others. But when it is us, we want mercy. Amen. But let me tell you today that this religious spirit, it wants to judge and wants to punish people for their wrong and for their sin and we want to judge them condemn them and then punish them for however long we think the judgment shall last but can I tell you that Jesus didn't judge nor did he punish anyone but the Pharisees he didn't get all caught up whenever he seen a sinner sinning Amen. What got him, what got his feathers ruffled, if you will, what got his hair up was whenever the the Pharisees, the religious system, wanted to begin to do uh, their thing and wanted to do it their way and wanted to put the law down and say, this is the way it is. But Jesus, when he came, they brought this woman in the very act of adultery to him. He didn't uh, punish her. He didn't judge her. He forgave her. Amen. How long did he wait? He didn't wait 10 days. He didn't wait 30 days. He didn't wait, say, come back in six months. 
No, immediately Jesus forgave the woman and told her to go and sin no more. Hallelujah. Aren't you thankful today? <laughs> you know, you, I can get into all of this today, but all of the, the, the uh, occults of the day, you have to do something to get forgiven. You have to work your way through the system. You've got to jump through a bunch of hoops. You've got to wait so long. You've got to see because it's a religious system. It's an occult. But the gospel of Jesus Christ, amen, the the church of the living God, salvation, followers of the Lord Jesus Christ, Jesus immediately forgave them. It is the only thing that you can come to today with a heartfelt forgiveness and say, God, forgive me of my my sin and immediately your sins are washed away immediately you are forgiven the old is past and the new has come and we become a new creature in Christ Jesus our Lord if you're thankful for that in your life give him some kind of praise today the political system thrives on position what position I'm in. I'm in this position. I'm in that position. Religious spirit thrives on perception. Perception says I am worthy because I come to church all the time. It says I'm good enough because I do this and I do that. I'm in the right place. I'm worthy, but you're not. But can I tell you today that we don't decide what sin is? The word of God tells us what sin is. And our job is not to describe or detail what sin is. Our job is to preach love, grace, hope, and healing to a hurting and a broken people. Amen. We don't base our love on if people are sinners or not. If they're struggling or not. We base our love on for God so loved us. Amen? Amen? I said you're quiet up in here today. I said we don't base our love on if somebody is a sinner or not. We don't base our love on how good a person is or our opinion of how good they are. We base our love on while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. Glory to God. I said while we were yet sinners. He didn't know if anyone would come to him or not. I've heard it preached that that if just one would come to him, that he would die on a cross. I'm here today to tell you if nobody ever accepted him, he would have still hung on that cross. Why? Because he wanted to give us an opportunity that while we were yet in our sin, while we were still acting crazy, while we were still glowing with the flow of the world, Jesus hung between heaven and earth. He died for us over 2,000 years ago. So right here standing, amen, in the 1st of October 2016, whosoever would call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. Glory to God. It doesn't matter how great, how small we may think, what our perception 
question is if we're good enough or not good enough. If we're too bad, but it is because that he died upon the cross that we can have life and have an abundant life. Glory to God. If you're thankful for it, give him a little praise here this morning. See, we're trying to deal with spiritual problems in a political and a religious way. But we're trying to deal with these spiritual problems in a social and a political means. But it will never fix us. It will never change us. The church must arise with a spiritual answer to a spiritual problem. And we have to engage our culture with the love of Jesus Christ. Amen. I said we have to. And we can wait around and we can say, well, let's wait until revival comes. Let's wait until this event happens. Or Thank God for revival. Thank God for events. But what are you doing on Monday? Don't miss the opportunity on Tuesday to encounter the culture that you're in. Because you see, I still believe cities can be won. I still believe a nation can turn its heart back toward God. Hallelujah. But it's not going to happen by us just waiting around for a social program or a political program. Oh no, with the heart of the matter is sin issue. And until the people of God rise up in power and in authority, we're ashamed of the gospel of Jesus Christ. We don't believe there's a hell. If we did, we would rise up every morning and never miss an opportunity to tell somebody the answer is Jesus Christ you can be that life you can be that witness in the workplace in Walmart amen wherever you are whatever you're doing you don't have to go and get into some kind of religious gathering to be the light you can do it on the basketball court you can do it on the football field you can give glory and honor to the name of Jesus in such a way that men will see your good works and glory Glorify the Father in heaven. Amen. So my question today is, what are you doing to engage your culture? What are you doing to see that your world is changed? If you don't have a, a national platform, then you won't be required to reach the nation. If you don't have a regional platform, you won't be required to reach the region. But you are required to engage your known world, your sphere of influence. The people that are around you, have you ever told them there is hope for your marriage? Have you ever told them there is an answer to the craziness that is going on in your family? Your children acting crazy. I can tell you it's not about a social thing. It's not about getting better. It's about getting to know the Lord Jesus Christ. And he can change your family. He can impact your children. 
Because if God can get one person in the family, <laughs> I said, if God can just get one person in a family, then he can get the whole family saved. If God can get one person delivered in the family, then the whole family will have to quit making excuses for their bondage and their addictions. Amen. Because if God can set you free, then they have no uh, reason to, to say that this is it. And, you know, my family's had this problem all their life. And, you know, granddaddy was addicted. And daddy, you know, his problems, no, the excuses have to go away. When God sets one of the captive free, one person in the family says that I'm not going to be bound by this thing any longer. I'm going to let the Lord of glory set me free. And whenever we're free, we're free indeed. And then all of the family's excuses for generations have to go away and they have to answer to the real fact of the matter. It's do you want to be free? Jesus asked the man at the, uh, at the, uh, the pool that day a crazy question. He sat there for 38 years and Jesus comes along and asks him, do you want to be healed? Amen. You see, whenever we come to see this love of God that shines abroad in our hearts and we begin to accept that love and that grace and that mercy, then all we put away all the excuses for everybody else and then they have to decide for real, do you want to be set free? Do you want to be made whole? Do you want to be delivered? Do you want to live in joy or do you want to be chaotic the rest of your days? Come on. Amen. Because it's not normal to be throwing pots and pans. And it's not normal, amen, to go around and fussing and cussing and carrying on and, and, and fighting and beating each other down and, and having discord among the family. That devil is a liar. Amen. God has come that we can have an abundant life, a joyful life, a free life. And it comes through the love of Jesus Christ and knowing him and being a follower of his. Amen. We've got to engage our culture because if we don't engage our culture, then there will be no one to go to the hurting and the broken. Politics has already washed their hands of them. Amen. Just like Herod washed his hands of Jesus, the political system has washed their hands of hurting broken humanity. They took it away from the church and now they want to put it back on the church. Because they don't have the answer. You can't, you can't make into law something that's going to change people's lives. Amen. If the law would have worked, Jesus would have never had to come. But it's the love and the grace of God that is shed abroad through Jesus Christ that comes into our heart and our life. And we can't make enough laws to make people live right. We can't make enough laws to make people quit shooting one another. We can't make enough laws for our nation to get better. 
We need a, a, the sin problem to be dealt with in our nation. And who's going to deal with it if the church doesn't rise up and engage our culture? We've got to reach out with a, a spiritual answer and say, yes, all of these systems and these situations, some of them may be good, but they are not the solution to the problem that we're facing in our nation. We're not the uh, going to help us with the problem that we're dealing with in our family or even in our city. The problem that we're dealing with is that we have to have an answer and the answer is not going to come from the social media. It's not going to come from the political system or even the religious system. It's going to come when the church gets plugged in to another world of Holy Ghost power and understand that we're not here just to maintain. We're here to take over and we reach into the heavenlies and we get a hold of the keys of the kingdom. We get a hold of the key of love and we begin to reach out to those who are hurting, reach out to those who are broken, reach out to those that other people have given up on and said, you're not worthy. You're not worthy. You've been too long in this situation. Oh, the devil is a liar. If you will show the love that has been given unto you to somebody else, the chains will be broken. The burdens will be removed and they will know the victory of the love of Jesus Christ. You can't set the captive free by systems of this world. You've got to have a system from another world. (laughs) You have to have answers from another world and there is an uncommon love that you will not find nowhere else. Amen. Nowhere else will you go and find unconditional love. Because Sister Ava, God didn't love us because we is all that in a bag of chips. God didn't love us because that we got it all together. God didn't love us because we were born into the right family. God didn't even love us because we we were so holy, holy. We never sinned in our life. Y'all are tight, but it's right. We had never done nothing wrong. And so Christ died for me. Huh? Oh, I was raised up in the church. I went to church all my life. I knew what was right and wrong. And I kept it all. I'll tell you what, that and five dollars will buy you a cup of coffee. Amen. Because rules and regulations don't bring us to Christ. It is a schoolmaster. But it is the grace and the mercy, it is the love of God that while I was yet in my sins, didn't do it because I merited it. Didn't do it because I had done this, that, and that. But if while I was yet a sinner, he died that I could have life. 
and have it more abundantly. And I don't know about you, but I'm so thankful for it. I don't know about you, but I'm thankful that it didn't take a being so bright, knowing a lot, or even being in the right club or the right people. Because I'm pretty certain I wouldn't have ever got in. But I'm thankful today that when I came to him with a godly sorrow, he loved me. I'm thankful that he knew all my thoughts. He knew all that was in my heart. His unconditional love, he still loved me. Knowing that I would make mistakes and failures along the way, he still called me. And after all that he's done for me, for me to sit back and not engage my culture and tell others about this unconditional love would be a sin on my part. One of the church growth men that is well known in our nation said there's one word that separates a living church from a dying church, a growing church from a disgrowing church or falling off. That one word is invite. If people are not engaging the culture with love and inviting people to Jesus, the church is dying. But if you and I on a regular basis are inviting people to Jesus, the church can do nothing but grow. I'm thankful for his love. I said, I'm thankful for his love. Love that didn't say, you can do this, you can do that, I'll take you in. But he initiated this love. It was all on him. Said it was all on him. He did it all. He paid it all. And then gave me the opportunity to choose this uncommon love, this exceptional love, this unfailing love. He said, it's available, but will you take it? As a young preacher boy, I would get very upset and disturbed whenever I would preach what I felt with all of my heart that God had given me to preach and then see nothing happen, see no lives changed. I would go home and be upset with myself for days. 
saying, what could I've done different? How could I've shared it in another way? People would have responded. And the Lord freed me one night in prayer after one of those agonizing nights. And he said, it's your responsibility to share my love. And only they can decide how they'll respond to my love. It freed me. It freed me. It's my job. It's your job to share the love of God with the hurting and broken world. You can't determine how somebody's going to respond to that. But it is your responsibility to share it and engage your culture with the love of Jesus Christ. Isn't Jesus wonderful? Isn't Jesus wonderful? Jesus wonderful 